you turn on the TV and there's something worse that's happened than than yesterday. It was just it was just 20 seconds, 30 seconds of of relaxing bliss. I am thinking from like a marketing standpoint, clearly Ocean Spray is getting a lot of positive press. Do you think they're going to see a material lift uh, in sales? The gift that has now stopped giving, Quibi ha is shuttering its doors. The thing is when you are trying to change people's behavior um, radically and take them away from something that they're comfortable with doing, um, when you're essentially not solving a problem that doesn't exist, this is the this is the result that you end up getting. Jay Z is now launching his own cannabis uh, company called Monogram. You know, it'll be interesting to see, especially with Jay Z, given that he is very mainstream at this point, um, how overt the messaging will be. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. My name is Gorsha Huchua, and as always, I'm joined by my friend and partner, Alex McNamara. Good evening, Alex. Good evening, Gorsha. How are you today? I am good. I am uh, going to complain a little bit about the weather being cold, but I guess it's nothing like up in <laughs> your neck of the woods. It was, it was 40 degrees yesterday. Uh, it is definitely not summer anymore. Um, but we went out to, you know, to hood river. It was a beautiful sunny day. Uh, I cannot complain. It is, it was, it was amazing. Well, I, um, I am looking forward to this being the coldest that it'll ever get in California, uh, which is <laughs> as of this morning was probably in the high fifties, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, all right. This is our weekly ad talk edition of the show. Um, it's our format where we discuss news and events in the world of marketing and things adjacent to marketing that we found to be the most interesting. We invite you to send us your thoughts and questions via LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, our handle on Instagram is at 30MinuteCMO. And now let's get on with today's show. And Alex, one of the things I wanted to uh, bounce off of you and get your thoughts on is this viral sensation uh, on TikTok that is all about ocean spray, the yep. juice, the drink. And um, I think probably a lot of people saw it. Some some of you who have not seen this um, basically features a guy skating um, down a sidewalk, it looks like, drinking drinking uh, ocean Cranberry spray. Cranberry juice. Cranberry juice, yeah. He kind of caught the imagination of everyone um, yeah. because it was just, um, it was a, a very chill video. Uh, there wasn't like a huge whole point to it. He is uh, the music in the background, this Fleetwood, Fleetwood Max Dreams. And yeah. he is sort of like miming to it. The video is all of 15 seconds, 20 seconds. It's not much. Um, but I'm just, I'm just fascinated by how, how much it resonated with everyone. And I'm curious, you know, what was it so special that made it go so viral? What, what do you think? I, it was, I mean, I think it was just in this current absolute chaos of everyday life where you turn on the tv and there's something worse that's happened than than yesterday it was just it was just 20 seconds 30 seconds of of relaxing bliss where he looked so chilled he was just enjoying his little skate down the road with a with a bottle of ocean spray and i feel like everyone just wanted to do that 
just for a minute and just escape from where we were and where we are right now and the news, the current news cycle of of everything. And I think that's that's just that's just what it was. I think you know, I think this you know whenever you get brands saying they want to go viral, I think that just kind of like highlights it that this you know virality is not something you can you can brief into a creative team because if you if you if you if you scripted this and and brought it back and produced it, it just you know it wouldn't be any good. You know, if Ocean Spray had come in and said, "This is what we're going to do," you put it on Facebook and it would do nothing, and you get a few likes, and that's it. So. I mean, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I'd love to see what it's doing to Fleetwood Mac streaming and their you know and their digital album sales and see if that if that's doing anything. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's great. I um, you know, it took me a few a few uh, runs of this video to sort of appreciate it, and uh, I'm you know, it's interesting. It's um, like you said, I, I actually agree with you that it's probably because it is so chill. It is kind of this um, calmness and this storm that we have been living in that caught so many people, um, caught their imagination. Um, I am thinking from like a marketing standpoint, clearly Ocean Spray is getting a lot of positive press because of this. I've read um, articles where the CMO is um, gearing up to see a fairly sizable windfall for the company from from this, um, from this clip. Um, do you think they're going to see a material lift uh, in sales? And, and kind of the reason I ask is because I might be wrong, but I think Ocean Spray is a brand probably has sort of been lagging behind, right? Like it's probably been falling falling behind uh, in terms of relevancy. It's not considered to be one of those healthy, um, yep. healthy alternatives to traditional staples in terms of what we eat and drink. So the younger generation, maybe they're discovering Ocean Spray as something other than to mix vodka with for the first yeah. time um but what do you think do you think they'll see a material lift from all of this well well they've they've already jumped on it they um they gave the guy a brand new truck so the reason that he was skating was because his truck had broken down and he had to skateboard he was going to try and get it you know go and try to get help and get it fixed so they gave him a new truck and of course there was a pickup truck loaded in the back with pallets of ocean spray i mean obviously what else you know they can't give him a truck you know it was in it was in bright cranberry red mm -hmm. but it, they, they couldn't give him a truck without you know gallons and gallons of product but i think i think you're right it's like a i mean i'd say this because i'm drinking a a um cranberry juice with sparkling water um today but it's um pure unsweetened cranberry juice and i think you're right like ocean spray it feels like a, a very great late 90s early 2000s brand i still remember the ads with the guys in the you know in the in the pond of cranberries falling right. over it's like we remember those very fondly but i don't go and buy ocean spray now because it's just laced with tons of sugar it's not it's a great treat to put and especially to put with vodka um but i i don't know if it's i don't think ocean spray is a brand that people are necessarily familiar with um, in terms of walking down the supermarket aisle, picking one up and seeing it go like, oh yeah, I need one of those. I think it may increase um, juice sales um, overall, um, but maybe not necessarily just Ocean Spray. Well, I think they strike me as a very traditional brand and uh, they probably are um, delighted to be 
getting so much prominence on a new yeah. platform with Especially a younger generation. A I mean, yeah, the expo the exposure here is probably valued in millions and millions. And so um, hopefully for them, um, this is something they can turn into into good. Um, I'm also interested in um, in your opinion on uh, TikTok cementing its reputation as this go go to zeitgeist platform, because yeah. I don't think this could have happened anywhere but on TikTok. This could not have yeah. happened on Twitter or Snap or Instagram. This was a moment that TikTok was uniquely designed to deliver. Yeah, I, I think the the only place it would have happened would have been Snapchat. But or Snap as they're now called, that would have been the only other place it could have happened because of just how the platforms are, are built. But t- TikTok has a hundred percent. This is this is their thing. This is what they do. This is all. This is a great ad for TikTok as well. And I think they have actually licensed the footage or licensed the right. video and are now putting it on TV as part of their acquisition campaign. Um, so you know this. <laughs> TikTok is doing a fantastic job of of cementing itself and, and having an identity um, of its own and really sticking with that and pulling everything that it believes in about what the platform should be to show everyone what it is. And it's um and they've and they've done a they've done a really great job of of you know sticking to their guns about what it is. And I think it's it's you know the Instagram and Facebook and Twitter are now old you know the the old companies within the the life cycle of of the social platforms you know they're yeah. at least what 10 years old now so you've got you know they're hitting saturation across all of the you know when we were what 20 um ish 20 ish facebook came out and that was you know where all the the young the younger generation were and now we're not the younger generation and we're still on it we're still using it so this is where you know the the younger generation are and and producing you know content like this if i you think got stuck in a tiktok black hole this is this is exactly <laughs> the kind of stuff you find yeah and i think i i think the strength of tiktok we've discussed this before is is, is the ability to share across other platforms things that you discover on tiktok yeah. which this bridge that they've built is so intuitive and at the same time other social social networks haven't done as good of a job of making content easily easily shareable elsewhere so me seeing uh, this video outside of TikTok, is TikTok delivering on the promise that they give to creators? We can make you yeah. famous. We can make you really reach audiences outside of our four walls. So really, really cool. I think a true case study in uh, what a viral hit is. Yeah. What I think actually, what what I thought was what you just said just now is really interesting is is not allowing sharing easily sharing outside of the you know the walls of the platform if you if you try and share anything from linkedin anywhere else it's virtually impossible because there's the share button says do you want to post it or do you want to share it direct message to someone on linkedin imagine if you could like you're sharing um like i share the podcast from spotify onto my instagram stories there's a button right that takes me straight there it preloads a really nice title card you can click it. It takes you straight to the straight to your Spotify. If you did that, if I could share a news thing from LinkedIn onto my Instagram stories, and then it would take you straight to that article. I mean, you would you would have so much more sharing. You'd have so much more natural, um, organic sharing, and you'd get so many more people from you know uh, that I'm not connected to on LinkedIn, or I have a smaller platform on Instagram that you could send to your Instagram you know page or your 
you know, your Instagram platform, the LinkedIn platform. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think. I think it just demonstrates again this new age, old age of thinking. Uh, these social companies yeah. that that uh, were battling each other out for uh, user domination essentially have created, erected these walls and make it very yeah. hard to do this. TikTok, uh, they recognize that sharing is how you appeal to the younger audiences who are sitting on Insta, who are sitting on Snap, who are sitting elsewhere. So this this makes total sense. I think we're going to see more and more of this um, happening. And I, I think this right here is going to be a reason why brands are going to say, uh-huh, TikTok is yeah. a good brand advertising platform. Let's start moving our money there. I think this could be uh, the beginning of that trend. Yeah, definitely. And and TikTok have been going really hard on business advertising. I've seen a lot of advertising on TV and like primetime TV um, ads, getting people, getting businesses to advertise on TikTok, which I thought was it's a really different B2B approach. You know, you don't traditionally buy B2B advertising during, you know, the NFL football Sunday. So yeah, that's really interesting. So the rise of one platform and the demise of another platform, the gift that has now stopped giving Quibi, we wow. read um, over the last week ha- is shuttering its doors. It is, it is turning the lights off in the production studio, and unfortunately, um, they are closing down. Um, so I say all of that in jest, but also seriously, more seriously, there are a lot of people who worked at um, at Quibi. Um, they are real people with real jobs. So as much as we joke about Quibi being, you know, a catastrophe waiting to happen, a lot of real people are going to get impacted by it. So we recognize the the seriousness of that. So into uh, so yeah so basically the uh, apparently you can't just have eight percent conversion from free trial to paying subscribers and also succeed as a company that is a lesson you can only learn by doing. <laughs> well, I um I'll, I'll say this, the short the premium short form content play has has been done before with the same result. Yeah. Uh, how do you make a thousand dollars in short form? You take a million dollars and you dump <laughs> it into short form content. And you know this is this is I think the case that um, uh, the case with Quibi they uh, they're blaming this on the pandemic uh, somewhat. Um, yeah, they're saying that you know the timing was all wrong. And sure, there's some of that. But if this was great content, if uh, they thought it through better in terms of yeah. how you're able to consume it and not limit again, create walls and boundaries and not limit people to just watching it on their small screen, but like let people yeah. stream it on their big screen. If they thought some of these things through a little bit better, I think they would have still been around. The thing is when you are trying to change people's behavior um, radically and take them away yeah. from something that they're comfortable with doing um, when you're essentially not solving a problem that doesn't exist, um, this is the this is the result that you end up getting. So there were, you know, there were high expectations with Quibi. They um, yeah. they got a ton of money from all of the studios. They obviously had uh, Jeff uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg and uh, Meg Whitman um, as the co CEOs. So someone who is a business leader in tech, someone who is a creative genius. Um, the formula, like the elements for success, were supposed to be there. But I think the execution yeah. is what um, is where they failed. Um, Quibi just didn't have good content. They just, just yeah, 
it was just uh, you know they they talk about how they won a couple of Emmys, but like so what you know Emmys are given out you know it's a uh, Emmys are Emmys are given out whole, wholesale. Let's you know let's <laughs> this is not this is not a super exclusive club you know because there's um, there's a lot of different uh, things you can win Emmys for. Um, do you think it was more than just content? Do you think there was something else that they missed? Uh, you know, you alluded to the conversion rates, but like that's a byproduct of something missing. Yeah. So, what else do you think that they they missed out on? I I I think I mean I think you 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 hit it all. I think them blaming it squarely on the pandemic is is a great deflection because it's really easy to do that. It's really easy to say, oh, our our short form content failed because people weren't commuting and they weren't traveling and they weren't moving around which is what it was designed for. But if you're, if people were watching Netflix on the bus and then, you know, you should be able to watch Quibi at home. It's about the content. If you don't have the product, you're not going to get anyone to sign up for it. You know, if you, if, if the content was good enough that you would want to watch three, three episodes back to back, you would watch three episodes back to back because content, good content is good content, no matter where it is or in what way it's cut down. So it just it just seems like they had not great content, which is surprising from a, a a service that was built by studios for content purposes. You know, right. they had one goal, which was to make good content. However, you cut it up, and it just wasn't great. Like if you looked at if you watched the ad, the launch ads that came out, they had Sophie Turner, they had um, one of the Hemsworths, they had Chrissy Teigen, and the ad, but the ads were terrible. Like not even the 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 episodes, like if if your advertising makes you not want to like get involved with the content, I think that that kind of sets a precedent of what your content's gonna be. And I, I just watched the ads and they were really cringy. The one with Sophie Turner was awful. And it was it was like playing off the um the English versus American how we say things differently. Mm-hmm. And it was just like cringeworthy every time it came on and you're like did you really have no better ideas than this one this was the best one you had and you made it into an ad come on you know it, so, it, yeah. they, I, they they try to make quibi um a, a term like we say google you know something go google, like go google, yeah. google it i think they were trying to make quibi that i think that kind of just shows the hotspot that they that they had that they wanted to um transform our way of consuming and thinking about content to such an extent that instead of going and saying, Hey, go watch this, people would say, Hey, go Quibi this, you know, come on. Like this is in, in a day and age when uh, streaming services are arriving literally on a weekly basis. Um, yeah. You can't, pre- you know, you can't do that anymore with the consumers. The consumers are, first of all, the consumers are inundated Secondly, their share of wallet for streaming has already been taken up by the Netflixes yeah. and Hulus of the world. Be a yeah. little bit more, um, you have to be a little bit more humble uh, when you're yeah. coming and, and, and asking someone to part ways with, with, with more money. That was, that, I mean, that's exactly what it was. It, it felt like there was a lot of arrogance and a lot of misplaced confidence in the people running it that they were just going to turn it on and everyone would just come in and buy it. And because of the people who are running it, the names attached to the content and there was no, it didn't feel like they were like, you know, grinding it out to make it work really, really well. They were like, we have, you know, famous people. We have a stupid name that stands out. I mean, to be honest, the name is really stupid. Quick bites. Come on. 
Yeah. Really? I mean, I, there are a lot of like dumb names, but come on, Quibi just sounds bad. Um, but like, it just it just didn't feel like they were really like making it happen because they cared about it. They were making it happen to turn profit, and they didn't. It's um, it's a failure. Um, we're we're sad for the people that have uh, been let go. Uh, we know that until December first, they're going to continue winding things down. It'll be interesting to see where this content winds up because the content holders, Quibi is not the content holder or owner. They gave very generous terms to content producers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if some of this content gets repurposed into you know, Netflix and Disney plus, um, in, 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 in longer form versions, obviously, but, yeah. uh, that's, that's TBD, uh, Expensify, which is, uh, a company that provides expense software to small and medium-sized businesses. Um, they got into hot water last week when their CEO sent an email to their 10 million customers, Wow! telling Every, them to vote for Joe 10 Biden. Million. All 10 million. Uh, he, he wrote a lengthy email um, and hit send. And um, you know what happened? Not more signups. Really? Not more signups? Not more signups wow. happened. The, 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 <laughs> what happened was the opposite of more signups. Actually, the way I found out about this whole debacle was when I was uh, on LinkedIn, people were asking what other expense software they should move to. And I was wondering why there was a trend about a fairly mundane topic. And it turns out it was this. Um, so was this a smart brand move or was this crossing a line? What do you think? Uh, I, I mean, kudos to the CEO for sending that out or thinking that he had the platform to send that out to 10 million of his customers because there is no way that all 10 million of them were voting for Biden. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm really torn on this one because on the one hand, if you have a platform you and you can see that the, the country is suffering because of politics or people in power, then should you do something about it instead of standing by and not risking your profits? You know, principles um, are only principles when it costs you money. So for him to do that, he stands by his principle. And if he loses 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever percent of his of his revenue because of it, I'm pretty sure that he'll still stand by what he did. But at the same time, people don't sign up for Expensify to get told how to vote from the CEO. So, But also, if you get that offended by being told who to vote from a CEO, then I think you have bigger problems than getting emails from Expensify CEO. Um, but you know, I think business getting involved in politics in such an overt way um, is something that we're seeing, or you know, brands or people who have brands getting involved in politics in such an overt way is something we're seeing, especially in the last couple of weeks, where everyone who is going to take a risk is taking that risk right now. I think the accepted way is to get behind the cause, right? And there's a difference between telling people who to vote for if you are a CEO and an owner, a founder of the company and um, promoting values. And I think for me, yeah. I, take, I, I take a different view than uh, from yours. I, I, I agree actually, you know, uh, it's, it's only when you start actually putting money behind your words that they become meaningful or uh, at least carrying some weight. But still, just because you have access to 10 million people 
who are subscribing to your service doesn't mean that those people are open to hearing your politics from you. If you yeah. are a company that has uh, strong beliefs, uh, whether they are about environmental issues or they are about immigration or they are about something else, whatever, whatever the case can be, you can make an impact uh, and invite your audience, your customers to participate without making it repulsive. And I think I'm not ready to hear from a company um, about who I should vote for because that's a very intimate thing. Uh, and there's an accepted yeah. way to talk to voters about this. And uh, having a company uh, go and tell you that you should vote a, cer a certain way isn't that accepted way. Not in this country, uh, not ever. Now, does it mean that this doesn't happen? Of course it does. Um, people um, have been funding political campaigns for a long time. And as of the last um, couple of decades, we are now able to, as corporations, also fund political campaigns by forming super PACs or political action yeah. committees. So it's uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. This exists. Political, um, political pressure from companies and from CEOs is definitely present in this country. Let's not kid ourselves. But it's yeah. the accepted way of doing this just takes a different form. Now, is this right? Is this wrong? I mean, if you think about the very well-oiled path from uh, politics into private corporations, you can clearly see that this, this exists. Companies take politicians as their employees to further their agenda in, in the corridors of power, to influence people, to lobby. Uh, there's advertising that goes on, but it's more subtle. And if we're talking yeah. about... Um, you know the nuance here is, I think, is, is I think, in what's acceptable and what and what is considered to be, you know, polite. I'm using air quotes. Uh, yeah. What he did, what what he did, wasn't different in in substance uh, from yeah. what other companies and businesses and CEOs are doing. How he did it is different. Yeah, and I I think I think yeah, what you said about calling out a specific, voting for, telling you to vote for a specific person. I'm you know, and he did say the reasons why, but. Is it is different to saying we believe in this cause and we think you should take this cause into consideration as it impacts XYZ people and the environment and then allow people to make that connection themselves to the candidates that are running and which of them are standing for those causes. Um, but then I think you know companies companies vote with their with their wallets all the time. And I think you know the only real winners here are the media media owners who are getting paid what almost a billion dollars in ad revenue this this is like their you know their christmas every four years they get billion in ad revenue from yep. the political parties and you know it, it is that much in the u.s because there's so big and there's so many different avenues and so many people to hit but at the same time like you then if the only way that you can speak to your audience is through buying um, media space and the only way you can afford buying media space is being supported by companies who have millions of dollars to give you and not through you know even Joe Biden was like give me five bucks it'll help us it'll help us this week and like you're not going to get 500 million dollars from you know just canvassing people and you got to buy the ads on Instagram to canvas for five bucks so I don't know I it just feels like it's not just the US this is this is you know every 
every nation. The UK has the same thing. Although there's more safeguards in the UK for advertising, it's only in the last month. There is a maximum budget to spend that, that you can spend. I think some of that budget comes from the government and it's equal across all of the parties that are running. So there is a way that is made more equal and it does stop people um, getting money from corporations that then, you know, they say they're not, you know, they say then they're not beholden to them. But if you've won because you've got money from someone and that someone is you know now pressuring you or asking you to do certain things in your policies, you get, there's, there's, there's a connection, even if it's a, a subtle, more subconscious connection, it it exists. I think our last topic, um, looking at brands and how they curry favor with their audience, the um, the cannabis market um, is a really interesting place to look at. Yes. As we know, cannabis is still not deregulated at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Um which makes it very difficult to operate as a national business. And as you can see from the lack of big cannabis brands in the U S um, and the, you know, the several big cannabis brands in, um, in Canada trying to make their way in, it's very, very difficult. The impact of this on the marketing means that you basically cannot run any advertising on Facebook or Google or any of the big national, um, you know, one, one stop national shops, or even TV, um, TV channels, you, right? I don't think that's allowed. Or even either. TV. Yeah. You can't do TV. You can't do um, Facebook. You can't do Google. You can't do a lot of programmatic and display um, through Google and other um, DSPs. So it makes it very difficult to do, you know, broad awareness outside of the, you know, the, the cannabis-based apps and websites where you can do direct buys you know that there are some of the more you know, popular listicle publishers that are that are kind of developing um audiences and content that you can sort of attach to through a direct buy so you can reach not like the traditional stoners um and the and the kind of you know the typical cannabis user but more of what people are saying is like the new um, the new wine tasting yeah. is cannabis tasting. So those kinds of more like health benefits, you know, um, Dosist, the, um, the, the pen, they focus solely around their health and well-being. But you can't do advertising traditionally. So what cannabis brands have seemed to be doing, are the big ones anyway, attaching themselves to celebrities in order to tap into, use them as like an influencer and basically use their presence and their reputation and their followers as a megaphone to buy into their brand. Um, Similar to how I guess the rock built his Terramana tequila, which I did see in the shop and I'm going to taste it and I'll give you a review uh, maybe next week. Yes. Um, But this is like, so the reason we're talking about this is Jay-Z is now launching his own cannabis uh, company called Monogram. Um, he's not the first person to do that. Um, Dan Bilzerian has also done it, but the the discussion is is kind of what we want to talk about is more around like how cannabis brands are using celebrities and what is the the um, the relationship between the celebrity and and the and the brand itself. I think the way you described it is um, therein lies the answer because it's advertising traditionally is being used to scale uh, your reach and federal laws prevent you from from essentially doing that what is the yeah. next best thing 
well, it's uh, attaching yourself to a celebrity who already has a lot of that reach built in. Um, you're right, Dan Bilzerian, um, the person for, who is famous for being famous. Uh, oh. Yeah, he um, started this, I think, a year or two ago with Ignite, a cannabis company that he he says that he found that I think that he actually just kind of got brought in as that um, famous person with a lot of scale. Um, he's able to give them a ton of access to his, uh, to his humongous audience on Instagram. Jay-Z, I think takes, takes this a step further, right? Because Jay-Z is maybe this first super mega mainstream celebrity who yeah. transcends the internet. He transcends culture. Um, and if he's coming in and he's basically bringing along this brand monogram, uh, the way that he's able to integrate them into everything that he does from um, his creative output to apparel to um, anything that he might be doing from like collaboration standpoint with other artists. The scale there is absolutely incredible. So that's what I think the celebrities um, are able to offer here. It's reach. Uh, national, yeah. international. Um, I think what's interesting, though, is, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, especially with Jay-Z, given that he is very mainstream at this point, um, how overt the messaging will be. With Bilzerian, it's very overt. It's like weed, yeah. you know, like bongs all over, like he hires models to to promote the, to, to promote uh, their products. I wonder if Jay-Z is going to take a different, uh, a different approach, if it's going to be maybe more subtle, maybe more, more refined, maybe it's going to be more through like a lifestyle lens versus, um, versus being very product direct. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think he has come out and said what it's going to be, but we do know that he's going to be launching monogram. Yeah. I think, I think it, what it, it, it also um, lends itself to a, uh, it kind of legitimizes the industry at a, at a wider scale as well because he's not just like you said like dan bilzerian who's famous for being a dick on instagram he jay-z is like serial entrepreneur he has fingers in all of the pies like he is you know one of the best businessmen um around at the moment like he he does so much and for him to take this opportunity to launch this brand for him to do it and to try and build this as a as a brand or as a company you know to turn a profit that means that there's something something in there. And, you know, you got to be quite far down the line for Jay Z to to kind of like start that um, to start that company. But even you got like you know you had the Snoop Dogg, Whoopi Goldberg, Martha Stewart just launched a line of CBD gummies. So you know there are people who, on the flip side, I think are just using their name to then sell the product. Whereas I feel like this is not this is more like we were talking about using their name to sell the product, but also um, investing in a, in a, uh, a business that is, that is like, you know, disrupting the market. Yeah. I, it, it's interesting too. We've talked, we, we had a show about celebrity, celebrity brands. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Terry Mana with the rock Casamigos with uh, George Clooney, others as well. Right. Um, the lifestyle um, that we associate with each individual celebrity, it's um, it sort of defines defines that brand, and so yeah. it'll be very interesting to see what positions these new cannabis brands take in terms of the lifestyle that they are trying to um, to really promote. You know, Bilzerian is crazy. He it's 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 very kind of clubby, transactional girls. You know, like partying um, that sort of thing. I think that's going to have 
a wide appeal to a particular audience, but it's not going to scale beyond sort of that, you know, the, the hyper party crowd, you know, will Jay-Z bring, um, bring a different lifestyle aesthetic to this that is going to make someone who maybe has never done weed before or has only done it, you know, back in college when it was taboo uh, to all of a sudden say like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to try it because it's now a really been mainstream, uh, legitimized, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I wonder if it's going to open more doors into cannabis yeah. for people who are currently sitting sitting this out on the sidelines being adjacent to it, but not being a part of it. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a, that's a really good, really good point. And I think the, the, the branding of, of cannabis um, is really interesting. I think for me, one of the best cannabis brands purely from the aesthetic and the positioning and the, the messaging is, um, is dosist. It's very, very clear what it stands for. The packaging is beautiful. All of their product shots are beautiful. Um, one of the stakeholders is an advertising agency. So you've got advertising people thinking about how to position a product and it's and it does a really great job of knowing who it is and existing for a reason. On the flip side, you know, the Marley brand, the Bob Marley, his name was licensed on some cannabis. That was started by I can't remember what the was private equity um chaps. And they had no idea what the brand stood for. The packaging was terrible. The product didn't really work. And it was like it was night and day the differences between those two types of those two types of brands. So how Jay Z you, you know, positions himself within that brand and then that brand itself is going to be a really interesting thing to to see. I think we can just tell from the name monogram that he is going to aim for a more refined um, Ace of approach. Ace of spades, yes. The ace of uh, spades of cannabis. You and I are going to have a guest on in some near future. Uh, yeah. who is of this industry and who we'll talk about um, we'll talk about uh, this topic in more detail because I think it's a fascinating topic. I think it's very rare that we have a whole industry, a uh, huge industry scaling in front of our eyes trying to solve these types of problems in real time. Um, yeah. so I think we'll 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 dive into this more, get more answers about the the restrictions and also the innovations because of the restrictions that people are coming up with. So we'll uh, we'll put a pin in this, as they say, and yep. um, and revisit this later. But I think this draws us to a close with today's episode. That's it. Thank you very much for listening, Alex. It was a pleasure as always. Yeah, love that. Thanks very much, Gosha. And we'll see you all soon.